0: Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back once again to another edition of the Come Out of Her, My People Show. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and let's be honest, this is a week where when it comes to come out of her, it's kind of tough to come up with any other theme than the most obvious one we may have seen, well, in a long, long time. And that is, of course, when the election is rigged, when the lies are so thick that you can't even cut them with a knife anymore, when what passes for political integrity is really just psychosis writ large, There's no doubt about it. It's never been more important to understand and to do what Scripture says when it boils down to, come out of her, my people, do not participate in the sins, and they are legion, so that we don't partake of the plagues, and they are obvious. Nowadays, they're even bioengineered. And I guess I'll start out by observing, not for the first time, that if there's anything that's now beyond obvious as of this week, it's that you cannot expect a political solution to an incredibly deep, unbelievably broad spiritual problem. A world where evil is being called good and good is being called evil, and a corrupt fallen nation is not going to vote itself back into right relationship with the one true God and creator of the universe. And just understand this. Team Satan isn't going to let it happen. With that on the table, I'm going to try to spend the time today making that point. Because I really hope that when every other alternative is eliminated, the one remaining option, pleasant or not, is the best solution. And I could certainly make the case from history, or from economics, or from scripture. The problem is, all too often, and we're certainly seeing that today, people won't believe any of those until they've been beaten to a literal pulp by reality. Some, as you've already no doubt seen, will die rather than admit the truth, and they'll drag as many others along with them right down into that same tomb. Case in point, the Zyklon B poison poke, and literally, I rest my case, they're still trying to force it on people, and whether most Americans want to believe it yet or not, the next wave of pandemics and subsequent death by injection is already being rolled out. And what would anybody with half a brain even suggest otherwise when it's been so successful? So I'll say this up front, too. If this sounds more than a bit cynical today, it's because it has to. It's tough to see what's happening and recognize it for what it is without being more than a bit cynical. The human heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all. Who can know it? And you know what? Even though that comes right out of Jeremiah chapter 16, nowadays it's almost an understatement. So I'm going to start today with something that I recorded on Election Fraud Day. Yeah, I called it that on Tuesday, and I think in hindsight, maybe that was a bit of an understatement as well, but it certainly turned out to be accurate. And I need to make this clear, too, before we get around to talking about the later observations this week. The election fraud that was writ so large in 2020 has not been addressed. The election machines are just as crooked as they were then. The same software is just as crooked as it was then. The Internet connections that aren't supposed to be there, and that's still being lied about, haven't changed. Oh, and another thing that hasn't changed is if you talk about any of this, they'll now call you an election denier. So I guess they've upped the ante on the suppression of anything that doesn't fit the official narrative. Soviet style, if you recall... And dead people, along with illegal immigrants and cats and dogs and parakeets, are all still voting in mass. And, oh yeah, guess how they choose to vote? Vote early, vote often by mail, is still just as fraudulent as it was and remains. And ponder this. The same people who tried to tell you that you had to take the poison poke or lose your job are now telling you, trust the system. Oh, have we ever lied to you about, well, have we ever lied to you about, no, nah, just vote and believe that it's going to be fine. Because you don't really have any choice now, do you? And don't you dare suggest it's not safe and effective, or uh, trustworthy and transparent. (laughs) So on Tuesday, I pretty much harken back to the way a handicap works in, say, bowling or golf. Basically, one team starts out with a lead. For I began with the observation that, lawfully or not, a whole lot of people have already cast votes, and a whole lot of people that aren't entitled to have no doubt cast a whole lot more. Yeah, what I'm suggesting, folks, is that at this point, as Election Day actually begins, the fix is already in. And who knows how many, and again, you're not going to be allowed to, millions of votes have already been cast to try to prevent what almost everyone who's paying attention knows otherwise would have happened. The so-called Red Wave. And isn't it ironic that once upon a time, the Red Wave met a communist revolution? Uh, and no doubt there's more than a bit of irony, and yeah, pre-planning in that, too. And on that score, one of the big clues your host has been talking about for weeks is the pre-planning of the spin. Oh, yeah, we got to rig the poll so that it doesn't look quite as lopsided as it almost certainly is. That way, at least when the final tallies come out, who knows how many weeks from now, it won't be as obvious that the fix was in for so long anyway. And just as important... When it comes to the official narrative, and of course you'll be banned from anything that looks like socialist media if you dare to disagree, this is just as important. ABC News had a piece, here's the tweet that came out overnight, they've even got a clever new term. A red mirage, they call it, or an artificial GOP vote lead will likely reoccur Tuesday. And you got to give them credit, at least they say reoccur, because yeah, we see this every time the fraudsters come out and do their thing. Early election night results, it says, might not indicate the final tallies, and yep, experts are saying that that red mirage will likely occur again in some of the states, all of the ones where there's an actual race, as last cycle. Battleground states, including in yada, yada, yada. You get the picture. We've heard it all before, and guess what, folks? You're really fixing to hear it again. Here's how Paul Joseph Watson put it for his summit news. Zero Hedge picked it up as well. In a throwback to 2020, he begins, yep, we've seen it before. We're fixing to see it again. ABC News, sick, has reported, (laughs) i got to say it again, sick, that a red mirage could make it look like Republicans are winning big on actual election night, but that a full vote recount could take weeks. And, of course, that's supposed to be okay with you. And they're going to tell you why you should believe it. Drink the Kool-Aid, keep your mouth shut, and put up with whatever it is they're going to feed you. The piece explains how Republicans may appear to be leading their Democratic opponents, even by large margins, in federal and statewide races, but that their leads could, (laughs) oh yeah, dwindle or crumble completely once the uh, Dominion voting machines and masses of newly copied ballots make their way through the illegitimate mule-run channels to where they inevitably will end up. And it's not the trash can, although that's where America is intended to end up. All of this after dumps, and I think that's a good way to put it, of mail-in and absentee ballots are counted well after Election Day, which could take, and here they put it at least somewhat correctly, weeks. Of course, the counting isn't the issue, folks. It's the rigging so that they don't actually have to count real votes that matters. Notes, Watson, why America can't count all the votes on election night, as is done in countless other actual honest countries, isn't explained. And I'm going to read as much of this as I can stand without throwing up all over my shoes, quoting ABC. This phenomenon was popularized as the Red Mirage, or Blue Shift, after the 2020 presidential election fix, when former, and by the way, they didn't put that word in there, but you knew that, and you're not allowed to use that word if you want to be quoted by any of the three-letter news agencies, when former President Donald Trump took a deceptive lead in several competitive states on election day due to delays in the counting of Democrat mail-in ballots and other fraudulent post-election rigging attempts, and yeah, I put that in there too. The preferred method of voting due to the COVID-19 pandemic, And isn't that convenient? Only to eventually dissipate when the entire reserve that had already been pre-printed, I can't help but think, of votes was finally totaled. Unquote, states the so-called report. Watson notes that the oh-so-convenient and clearly in hindsight well-planned explanation of COVID-1984, which caused so many Democrats to have to use mail-in ballots in 2020, isn't a factor now, at least uh, shouldn't be. But since when has that stopped them? Since all of the restrictions, unconstitutional as they were anyway, have been lifted. And uh, COVID is barely even a news story at this point, although they still want you to take your poison poke, remember? And your man's your little dog, too. Commented Information Liberation's Chris Menahan: the red wave nearly every pollster is predicting is actually just a mirage, ready enough to be corrected through election fortification. There's another new wonderful, probably CIA-endorsed buzzword, and the now inevitable, I think you can almost set your watch by it, folks, in the wee hours of the morning, late-night ballot dumps. And at this point, let me just pause and tell you how it clearly works. We saw this, and uh, don't think for a second they're not enhancing the techniques here, given what they've learned from previous successful attempts at massive voter fraud. And I'll start this way. As I've said many times before, any so-called electronic vote counting system that uses what's called floating point mathematics as opposed to integers, after all, there's either one vote or no vote, not 1.735 votes, depending upon how many others have been cast and they need to rig for, and how much they pre-calculated that they might be able to get away with. That number keeps going up, by the way. Well, if this was a bowling league, you'd call it a handicap. I guess on a golf course, you'd call what the Bolsheviks are doing a mulligan. But it boils down pretty simply to the electronically preferred candidate starts with a healthy lead. It won't show up, of course, until enough votes are counted. They can swap the ones they don't like with the proper floating point relationships to something else that might actually appear quite a bit more suspicious if they hadn't been able to pre spin the polling data. But it turns out, and we saw this back in 2016, that even if you own the criminally negligent networks, they're on your team and they're basically going to sit still for whatever it is you try to pull, if the numbers are just too overwhelming, there may or at least once might have been a limit to the credulity of the dumbed-down American populace. Hitler, as it turns out, was just too rancid and unpopular even to cover for. But they learned their lesson, and in 2020, they were ready, almost, almost. This time around, though, the landslide was even bigger than in 2016, and they had a real problem. Had to shut things down for several hours, run those printing presses, not just money this time, but fake ballots too, get the mules out again, and make sure we stuff those ballot boxes with, well, let's see here, can we pre-calculate how many we need? Turns out that part, at least, was pretty easy. Once the polls close and the real counts are in... But you do have to make darn sure to get that cardboard up in the counting room window so nobody can actually watch. And uh, if we miss a few video cameras here or there, well, we'll just deep six those later and make sure we silence anybody who might come forward as a (laughs) whistleblower. Remember, folks, it's not like Americans actually understand statistics or much less statistical improbabilities that approach impossibilities so we can voice that on them all day long. Witness max vaccine deaths that we could even call SADS. The silly fools will still let us poke them in the arm with more of the Kool-Aid. And once we know exactly how many votes we need in each precinct, remember, that's why these things aren't supposed to be connected to the Internet, but, ha <laughs> ha, silly fools, we did it anyway. From there, at least it gets easier. So we just print a whole bunch of ballots and count until we get enough, and uh, then we can say, here are the final tallies. Isn't that convenient? And it used to be, folks, that the American people weren't quite as dumbed down as they are today. There was a limit to how much fraud they could put up with and not see through. Eventually, they'd say Biden got 90 percent of all votes in the entire United States, counted after the deadline, and he didn't even come out of his basement. Hmm. Could that possibly be right? Well, CNN says so. And they tell me I'm an election denier if I dare to disagree. After all, I took the Cyclone B booster because I didn't want to be called a vaccine denier. No, he just got more votes than any other person in all of U.S. history, including people that actually campaigned. And what's amazing, folks, is that he managed to do it without even having to have a brain. They got away with it before, so why not try to raise the bar now with Fetterman? If they can sell that, folks, hey, you know this election's a lock. And just to show you how clear it is that the fix is in, the so-called press secretary, one of the biggest liars ever to infest the swamp, Karine Jean-Pierre, said on Monday that the vote count may take... days (laughs) to be sorted out, asserting, quote, that's how this is supposed to work. And there at least she's telling the truth. That is exactly how this scam is supposed to work. And what's more, you're supposed to believe it, or at least keep your mouth shut about it. Watson notes that polls, hopefully these are more honest than the ones that they're going to use to rig the election results, show that at least 61% of Republicans think that the senile scumbag masquerading as Marionette-in-chief didn't actually legitimately win in 2020. Gee, do you think? Well, even a A third of Americans in total think that the only reason Biden is infesting the Oval Office is because of voter fraud. That's a third, folks, of all Americans that can see through the ruse, in spite of two years of demonization and incredible propaganda. And obviously, not only is it not enough, they're now up in the ante. All right, well, there's no shortage of spin and speculation and outright lies out there prepping you for the big one that's coming sometime in the wee hours of the morning tonight. Will the red wave bring a shift of 30 seats in the House, or will it be a red mirage? Will the Senate return to at least a semblance of sanity, as it has in almost every midterm election, especially when a particularly unpopular so-called president has taken over almost in our history? Well, we'll see. I'll speculate a bit myself in a minute, but first, let's go to Philip Mary of Rabobank, who wrote a pretty interesting piece with some actual documentation to back it up, having to do with the, quote, expected midterm loss for the ruling Communist Party. And as aggregator Zero Hedge puts it in their summary of the headline, one bank predicts that Republicans will pick up 75 seats in the House and 11 in the Senate. And don't worry, folks, we'll tell you what they're probably missing, because I think it's obvious in just a second. The summary, though, says based on historical statistical relationships, we find that the distressing state of the economy and Biden's low, matter of fact, record low approval rating, Martin Armstrong says his computer models show at best it's 12 percent, should deliver a landslide victory for the Republicans, if somebody actually counts the votes, that is. We calculate an expected midterm loss for the Democrats of 75 seats in the House of current Communists at eleven seats in the Senate, which would give the Republicans solid majorities in both houses. In contrast, current polls, and this would be in contrast to history too, point to a more modest Republican victory, in other words, the landslide not big enough to overcome the fraud, where the Democrats could still keep their majority in the Senate. We conclude that either pollsters are still having trouble reaching potential Republican voters, maybe because they've been silenced, or they're wasting a golden opportunity, that would be the Republicans, to gain firm control of both the House and the Senate. Well, folks, there is, of course, a third possibility. Anybody care to hazard a guess? After all, we have seen it before, and it's pretty clear we're already seeing it again. All right. Now, at this point, I'm going to skip over some of the pablum in this piece. After all, it is a banker addressing an investment audience. Even if the Democrats maintain the majority in the Senate, he says, a Republican majority in the House will put an end to the Biden regime's expansive fiscal policy plans, which will limit additional inflationary pressures from the federal government. Oh, yeah, sure. Not like it's already a done deal and hyperinflation is coming down the tracks like a railroad train headed for a cliff. Once supply chains are broken, folks, in the absence of a free economy, at least, they don't self-repair. And the money already printed, not to mention the debt that's out there waiting for the collapse, too, guarantees what's coming. So let's focus on the part of this that does provide some clarity. Modern elections, they say, (laughs) there's an interesting misnomer, usually lead to an electoral loss for the political party occupying the White House. Since this loss has occurred in different economic and political circumstances, this suggests that the party of the president gets punished no matter what. Well, unless, of course, obviously, they can rig the machines after two years in office. However, there is a substantial variation in the amount of seats lost in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, which could point at additional factors in contribution to the midterm loss. In this special, we investigate which factors determine the size of that midterm loss, well, except for one really obvious elephant in the room. And then we calculate Biden's expected midterm loss based on the current values of these factors, and we'll also discuss the impact of possible midterm election outcomes on economic policy and financial markets. And What I've already said, maybe I'll skip that. Anyway, currently it says the Democrats have a majority in the House and in the Senate. The table shows the numbers. Elections for the House take place every two years for all 435 seats. While it takes six years to get rid of a crappy senator, they take place every two years and only a third, at best, could get turned over every two years. So, in any given midterm, only about 30 to 35 Senate seats are at stake. Presidential elections take place every four years. Therefore, elections for Congress that don't coincide with a presidential election are called midterms. And I hope you knew that. But I guess we got to remember, a lot of the folks that will read this don't even know what form of government we're not supposed to have, like a democracy. But it's a well-known phenomenon that midterm elections lead to a loss in seats in Congress for the presidential party in power. The average midterm loss in the House since 1950 is 24.8, and in the Senate since 1958, when the number of seats was increased to the current 100 from 96, it's 2.9. Either of which, even if this was an average year, would be more than enough to flip both to the Republicans. Now, this next line, folks, is vitally important. Please pay attention and understand that he's right. This should set the minimum expectations for anything even remotely approaching an honest or historically appropriate election. These average losses, he said, can be used as unconditional or minimum expectations for this year. Given that we have the most senile, most unpopular president in the entire history of the country, and at least a third of the entire populace knows that last election was rigged, What do you think? That at bare minimum, that there should be greater losses for the corrupt, obviously evil party in power than normal? Let me state it differently. Given the unprecedented level of scumbaggery, skullduggery, corruption, and even outright, well, acts of tyranny and treason against the American people, like the poison poke, the complete meltdown of the economy, the attempt to foment world war, you name it, if we don't see more losses for the party in power this year than even in a bland year... Something is well not just horribly wrong, but obviously rotten, not just in Denmark, but in the Potomac Swamp. In other words, if we don't see at least an average midterm turnover, and nothing about this year is even remotely average, we know the fix is in, as if we didn't already have pretty strong evidence to that fact. I.e., call it 25 House seats and at least three Senate seats. Minimum? So let me ask it outright. Do you think these people who have openly committed treason and tried to kill a 100 million or more Americans already are going to let that happen? We'll of course come back to that, but I think the rest of this analysis kind of helps to set the stage. Because since this is an exceptional year, continues the bank piece, especially in economic terms, what with an outburst of unprecedented, actually unique in American history, levels of inflation, as well as at least a technical recession, if not the worst depression, building still in American history, it might be useful, they say, to find an expected midterm loss based on factors that have historically, back when they were at least partly honest, affected the election outcomes. There's considerable variation here, but... They may be attributed to economic and other factors. So can we find the expected midterm loss conditioned on those factors? In other words, given the current state of the economy, dismal, and other factors that have affected voter behavior in the past, when voters actually mattered, I can't help but think again. Well, just how large would the midterm loss be if the 2022 outcome was honest? And you know it. I put that word in there. And if the outcome actually followed historic statistical relationships. And there's the big clue folks. Let's not mince words here. It's not gonna. But it is interesting to go through the exercise. So here's where a little bit of math comes into the equation to calculate the expected midterm loss for the Democrats. Says the Rabobank author, we'll start with a model for the House of Representatives developed by political scientist Seth Maslett, whose model explains the change in House seats for the presidential party as a function of the number of seats in the elections two years ago. The approval rating for the president, and you know that's in the cellar, and the growth in per capita real disposable income, or RDI, for the populace. And that, of course, is dismal as well. Economic factors affecting the election results are captured by RDI growth, while the approval rating is also influenced by non-economic factors. And he notes Maslitt didn't attempt to estimate a model for the Senate, although the bank did attempt their adaptation. Also, he tells us, they did attempt to calculate what are called R-squared values to give us an idea of the goodness of the model. They range from just under 0.8 to almost 0.9, which means, at minimum, there's probably something here worth paying attention to, and suggests a systematic midterm loss of 22% in the House of Representatives and 16% in the Senate. And I'll say it again, folks, let's not forget, by any measure, we're still talking about an extreme situation historically. The United States, in other words, has arguably almost never in its history been such a stinking, fetid mess as we enter the midterms. And of late, the RDI has deteriorated even more disastrously. And Biden's approval rating, too, or lack of approval, has also deteriorated significantly. Therefore, we have to find a much worse result for the Democrats than even the normal historic pattern would suggest. Now, at this point, I'm going to pause and interrupt that for a second just to kind of emphasize the point. Rather than, of course, the even bigger red wave than history would normally suggest, given just how incredibly evil things have been of late Look what we got instead and ask yourself, just how stupid do they really think people are now? Why isn't somebody in the way news at least saying, give me a break? That too speaks volume. But back to the analysis, even before it was clear how big the fraud was going to be. And by the way, folks, if you're curious, they plug in an approval rating for the fake president of around 40% which is at least three times the real and more appropriate number, as per Martin Armstrong and his Socrates program. So they say, cutting to the chase here, if we plug in the dismal RDI growth figure, and of course it's negative, of 4.5%, and the president's dismal approval rating, which even in the low 40% range is still ridiculously overstated, honestly, I doubt it would be that high even in an Alzheimer's nursing clinic facility, where he'd no doubt get a higher sympathy vote, We get an expected loss for the Democrats in the House of 75 seats and in the Senate of 11 seats, meaning the Democrats would lose their majorities in both houses. But that's just the benchmark. After all, says the piece, both 538 and Real Clear Politics expect the Republicans to achieve a majority in the House of Representatives, but they show a more modest loss for the Democrats than implied by our expected midterm loss model, which they say could reflect electoral underachievement by the Republicans. And here, we all have to admit, just look at all the rhinos and you see what that means. And yes, the Democrats have tried to make the election about Trump in order to divert attention of the voters from the highest inflation rate, perhaps in history, if they were calculated honestly, but at least since the 1980s, and they're not calculating them the way they were then either. As you know, because I've mentioned this many times in the past, John Williams of Shadow Stats does, and he of course says the real number is probably close to three times higher than what's being reported. And hey folks, here I do have to ask, if they're more than willing to lie about inflation, especially right before an election, why wouldn't they rig the votes just like they rigged the CPI figures and everything else? It's not like they haven't been getting away with it now, is it? And we'll be right back. Pick it up there after this. Get on my and play. Just like yesterday. Man, I'll get on my knees. We are back, folks, to the second segment now of the Come Out of Her My People show for this evening. I'm your host, Mark Call. and uh, certainly this is a week for taking a look back at so many things that not only in hindsight, but in foresight, were absolutely obvious. And um, I know when you look at all of this stuff together, it almost seems overwhelming. People say, well, everything is crooked. And the answer is, yeah, it really all is crooked. The election was crooked. The entire setup two years ago with the bioweapon and Fauci and all of the evil that was intended to kill millions, arguably even billions of people, it's all pointing in the same direction. How much more evidence do we need? And I guess that's the thing that I really want to try to emphasize today. That's why I spent the time talking about the the lead-up to the election and the fact that we could certainly see it coming. Yeah, we did. And here it is, exactly as it should have been anticipated, is exactly how it came down. Now, as um, most of you know, and we've talked about on this show many times before, probably one of the hardest things I've found to convince people of is the level of perfidy. The level of evil that they're dealing with. Oh, the FBI, could they possibly be crooked? Could a politician who puts his hand on a Bible lie and, and literally be so crooked that he would sell out? Well, most of us, you know, having once seen it, it's impossible to unsee. But for the average person, it simply just, it, it blows their mind so badly they can't come to terms with it. Uh, eventually maybe they'll wake up, or maybe they'll end up in the gas chambers. First, you've heard the old joke about uh, all these people going to the gas chambers, and they couldn't believe that Adolf could possibly be part and parcel of what was being done to him. Why, somebody ought to tell Adolf was the punchline to so many jokes. Here we are in the same situation. As a matter of fact, folks, it is so historically parallel that um, if you don't have any understanding of history, it won't even resonate. So, again, back to the the things we're seeing this week. The election was rigged. Gee, there's a shocker. And most people aren't going to understand uh, the level of perfidy involved. But nothing has changed. Literally nothing changed since the first um, openly rigged election. They tried it in 2016. The rig wasn't big enough to prevent Trump from coming in, but they they fixed that in 2020 and showed, hey, we can even take a senile codger who doesn't even campaign. We can rig it so bad that uh, he will even get elected. This year, as I pointed out, they put a potted plant in there as the senator from Pennsylvania And I know one of the things you're going to hear is all kinds of rationalization to cover it up. So let's talk about some of the rationalizations, some of the other things, because what I want to do here is cut through the smoke. Yes, nothing has changed. The electronic voting machines, just as rigged as we knew they were. The entire scam to, uh, you know, absentee ballots have a, a far greater level of control, but the level of... Uh, discontrol, um, perfidy, ability to defraud the system. When you allow everybody uh, to, who wants to vote, how many times they want to vote as well as many as they want, you know, they'll say, oh, that's not what it's about, but that is what it's about. It's all about rigging the system. And the result is exactly as expected. Now we need the cover-up. So uh, what we're seeing, if you look at all the waste stream press, oh, look at this race, look at this race, focus on the minutia. Try not to pay any attention to the big picture. You won't even hear, not even the rhinos on Fox News or the so-called better sources come out and say, do you think there could have been some chicanery here? No, because they've been told if you do, if you even go there, uh, touch that third rail, your job is over. We cannot possibly cast any aspersions on the integrity of the crooked, damnably evil election system. So uh, the other thing is, oh, blame the rhinos. Yeah, they uh, probably have some some reason to uh, to take some blame. Uh, blame Trump. After all, he endorsed a whole bunch of really not-so-great people, like um, the um, the Hollywood Muslim that really isn't even a remotely Republican, the rhino that was running against a potted plant. Oh, there was a lose-lose situation. But you know what? None of that obscures the real fact. It was rigged. Now, let me add this. Uh, I will say, of course it was rigged. We knew that. But... That didn't stop the other evil wing of the uh, same bird of prey. Remember, it takes two to flap and keep that bird of prey in the air. You've got the communists that openly masquerade as Democrats, and you've got the um, more subtle communists that are rhinos, Uh, the Liz Cheneys, the Mitch McConnells, you name it. Uh, The so-called maybe Speaker of the House who will be just almost as evil, not quite as nutty as Nutcase Nancy. But who are we kidding? The other evil bird of prey, the wing of that bird of prey, is is just as nasty. And um, guess who aided and abetted what was going on? Have you heard any of the rhinos come out and tell you the honest, obvious truth? The election was rigged? No, because they sat still for it. No, because they know that, hey, I get to win too. My uh, House seat, my Senate seat is a shoe-in if I'll just keep my mouth shut, go along to get along, and play the game. So uh, as a pilot, we call this Plan B. You take off, you always know where you want to go, and you know how you're going to get there, but wait, maybe something happens you didn't expect. Bad weather, mechanical malfunction. So you have a Plan B, and I always felt like you have a Plan C and a Plan B. Well, we're seeing the Plan A, B, and C. They have uh, voting machines that are rigged to automatically, using floating point mathematics, shift a certain amount of votes from column no good to column yeah, this is the one we want to win. But when there is an issue and they say, well, you know, we, we only think we can do that to, say, 5%, maybe nowadays 10%, maybe 20%. Hell, people are so dumbed down, they won't even notice it. They won't be allowed to talk about it. But the point is, there comes a point at which, uh, <laughs> and we're there, it's so obvious nobody's hiding it anymore. But we've got our backup plan. We've got plan B. We've got other ways to make sure that we... uh Keep the rig in play. And, of course, that includes owning the major media networks, making sure they don't talk about it, making sure that the rhinos who still get to have their gravy train and their checks, well, they get to stay in power as long as they don't do anything that might upset the apple cart, like uh, allowing an impeachment resolution. Now, it's okay to impeach Trump, of course, and that was part of the reason why they wanted to make sure that the the Trump-supported candidates look really bad. It's all about managing the perceptions, and at the same time, keeping the rig in process, and making sure that the generally dumb public stays dumb down and stays on the trains, and uh, you know they're headed for Auschwitz or Bergen-Belsen or wherever. Now there are some other expectations and things that I think are certainly worth talking about on a show like this one, and that is um, what happens when people get disgusted. What happened when they say, uh, you know, they did it to us in 2020, now they're doing it again. Uh, how much more of this are we going to take? We uh, we will rise up and we will will have a civil war. I've said this before. I I will not deny that. Um, The only thing that is worse than a civil war is what we get if we don't get one. So there's that element as well. But that's not the audience I'm talking to. I'm talking to people who try to understand Scripture, who are trying to do the right thing, who are trying to recognize that, you know what, when judgment really does come upon a country, and who can deny that it is so well-deserved, the United States has jonesing for judgment like no other nation, perhaps in history, and I include Sodom and Gomorrah in there. Well, what about the rest of us? Certainly we know that there are promises for obedience. We try to uh, hide under the protection of his wings, trust that he will hide us when the time comes, be found doing his work. We we know the verses. We know the understanding. We know essentially what's required. So back to the question of civil war. Do we participate in the civil war? Uh, knowing that it's coming, and knowing that uh, in some cases you don't have any choice. If they uh, they start coming down and... Uh, burning your, your farm and your animals and, and killing everything in sight, well, that's a little bit different situation. But what is happening now, I think, among other elements of the uh, Plan A and Plan B here, is to try to get people literally goaded into a civil war. You're certainly going to see some rhetoric along those lines. You're going to see uh, that as uh, one of the several options that people are going to talk about. And uh, on that score, I'll point out again, there is a huge difference between Going offensively into a civil war and saying, nope, come out of her, my people, do not participate. And that's what I'm going to talk about as we uh, wrap up the rest of the uh, hour here today. Things that we can do that do not amount to uh, going on an offensive and uh, engaging in a civil war, but understanding what we do have scriptural authority to do and what we ought to do. So uh, with all of that on the table, let me throw out one more quick story. This kind of helps to set the stage. A judge in California yesterday, what else, Uh, fraud day dismissed charges against the CEO of what else? An election software firm. You may have heard about this. This is the um, Connec company that has uh, just been involved in what's called ProB possibly or probably the largest data breach in US history selling the data to what and what else people that are running the uh, the deep state in the elections and the, the communists uh, the CCP um, isn't it interesting though here's the story today the LA district attorney the Los Angeles County District Attorney this is a soros guy kind of like the uh, uh the second uh the second in command here uh he- heels in the air, Kamala Harris, who got there by, uh, well, we know how she got there. And she, too, was a Soros DA. Well, this Soros DA has dismissed the charges. Isn't that amazing? And, um, oh, well, who cares, right? They, they, they didn't quite get away with it. But when it comes time to cover up for the criminality, we're going to pull out all the stops. Another story that I think will uh, also grease some of the skids for where I want to go in in just a minute here, this is from Jim Hofton, the Gateway Pundit, about um, how it feels like we're watching the first wholly manufactured election in our history. All of the key competitive races look like they were just programmed by Langley, meaning by the CIA. Americans are suffering through the most crushing economic conditions in our history. And by the way, if you don't think that's true, just wait, folks. When the when the trucks quit running, and it may not be too long at this point, when the diesel trains shut down, when the fuel isn't available, and then the fuel can't be uh, put in the trucks to deliver the rest of the fuel, and by the way, the products aren't delivered, and the uh, farm equipment, which runs on diesel, you name it, we're seeing a coordinated meltdown. And uh, isn't it amazing? It'll it'll probably happen shortly after the um, the rigged election. Anyway, we have the um, most aggressive, perverse assault on family, parental rights, the God-given rights that were once constitutionally protected. The Biden führer said, uh, you know, basically, uh, by by the devil that he is, he's going to get rid of that Second Amendment thing today. He seems to be emboldened by the fact that they got away with the election rig. All of this is topped off by an embarrassing. Disaster, the senile one in the White House, and now we've got the potted plant in uh, the Pennsylvania uh, delegation to the Senate. <sighs> this is leading a shrill, ten-eared, bellicose fascist junta that appears, not only appears, is indifferent to the um, ordeal that they are wreaking on working people. Remember when Democrats claimed they were the party of the working people? Well, those are the deplorables now, too. They want them all dead and they want their jobs destroyed and they don't want them to have energy or fuel or be able to heat their homes and um, okay so you get the rest of the idea here he he basically outlines some of what i've spent the uh, the, the first part of the show it is true that there is lots of evidence. if you will go through it, it is quite explicit, it is factually well supported, laying out how the fraud goes far deeper and is far more comprehensive than any mere ballot harvesting and um, you know, machine politics in Crooked Chicago, Cook County, you name it in the past. Uh, now they have electronic high-tech, and it's being done internationally. Is beyond any rational explanation, says Hoft, ha- and defies every known political and electoral principle that a uh, let's just be honest here, an, an incompetent like uh, Fetterman could possibly win an honest race. Remember when FDR they they wanted to hide the fact that he was in a wheelchair because people might think, oh, you know what what does that say about his health? <laughs> How far have we come, right? When we don't even care if the guy has a brain function anymore. It would be suicidally ludicrous, says Hoff, to think that this pack of criminals won't use every possible means at their disposal, up to and including mass murder and genocide, as if we hadn't seen that to the bitter end. And I think that is, in fact, the the real key here. And uh, you watch, I watched a, a bit of Fox News as much as I could stand. Again, not a hint that there was anything wrong. They are going to just like the. Um, the bad Jews at uh, on the train stations telling the the ones that were destined to go to Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen, stay in line, be a good little Jew, get on the trains here, uh, nothing's going to happen, maybe you'll get a nice shower when you get there. This is the equivalent, folks, of the Fox News and other um, sycophants for the way stream media. This one, too, I'll throw out. One more story before we uh, get to the the wrap it all together. Religious leaders are now gathering this week, isn't it an amazing coincidence, the timing, to um, receive at Mount Sinai the real Ten Commandments, a new one from the better God, the um, Climate Justice Ten Commandments. 40,000 attendees have flocked to the Sinai Desert, uh, including over 100 world leaders, sick, as well as business leaders, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, and other religious figures, all of them to participate in what's called COP27, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. They are seeking a faith-based solution to the ecological crisis by promoting this anti Human, anti-God of the Bible, 10 Principles for Climate Justice as a Global Initiative. And guess what it involves. <laughs> Can you say um, mass murder, genocide, suicide, reduce the global population, get rid of all the energy that will keep people alive through a cold winter? Well, you've pretty well figured that out now, haven't we? What I want to do as we as we wrap up is to say, look, Scripture has given us the solution. It's not like I don't talk about it every week. And uh, Revelation eighteen four is one of several places where we're told, "Come out of her, my people. Do not participate in the sins, so that you don't partake of the plagues." But um, I also want to mention something. It's a, it's a um, A quick historical and scriptural tour that I've done a number of times over over the years, asking the question, um, what about democracy? Well, most anybody who's listened to this show knows that, as the founders pointed out, democracy is the devil's own government. And Madison said such democracies have ever been as short in their lives as they've been violent in their deaths. In other words, they didn't want a democracy, which they knew was mobocracy or mob rule. And the Constitution is full of bulwarks, things to prevent the establishment of a tyranny masquerading as democracy. Everything from the bicameral House to the separation of powers to supermajorities to the veto to the electoral college that's the compromise between the large states and the small states. What do we see this year? Hey, you could run over the Senate candidates just by stacking the vote in one place like in Philadelphia for the potted plant. It is all, if you had the Constitution anyway, about preventing democracy. All right, well, what does Scripture have to say about it? And uh, I will encourage people, I've done longer teachings on this, but if you go back, simply go through Scripture and ask yourself, what do you find in there that even remotely looks like a vote? And um, the first one you'll come up with is in the book of the Exodus, where we have the Ten Spies. And if you remember this uh, famous vote, the first recorded vote in human history, two fellows, uh, Joshua and Caleb, they lost that vote 10 to 2. Oops. Turns out that wasn't exactly uh, what you might call a shining example of a vote gone Right? Right? And here's the interesting irony. Every single person who participated were told that every man outside of his tent was wailing and basically screaming. They were upset. Uh, Go into the land was what uh, Elohim had said, and uh, they didn't. They voted not to. Every single one of them, their carcasses fell in the wilderness. So uh, call it O for 1 for democracy. By the way, Joshua and Caleb were the only two people who did enter the land, and uh, everybody who participated in the vote didn't. Okay, uh, fast forward, let's see what else looks like a vote. Well, we have this place in the book of Samuel, where the prophet is told by the people, give us a king, give us a king, like all the other nations, we want a king. And Samuel is upset by this, he goes to uh, yod heh who tells him, look, Samuel, they have not rejected you, they have rejected me for being king over them. And as a result, oh yeah, they got a king, they got a fellow named Saul. Probably not the best choice. And uh, as you can see, uh, that was, uh, I'm going to call that 0 for 2 on the democracy scale. All right, let's fast forward. There aren't really a whole lot of examples in there. There's there's no place in Scripture where we see a democracy being set up, other than perhaps the pagans that were part of the the conquerors, like uh, Greece and so forth. And uh, they were looked on uh, by the founders as bad examples of things that we might take some lessons from, but not emulate. All right, when we get to the, um, well... The most famous vote in scripture, let me just put it this way, Um, Pilate offered the people a choice. Who do you want, this fellow Yeshua or uh, that Barabbas? And the answer, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, they said, uh, and let let his blood be on us and on our children, Uh, meaning the one that they were going to sacrifice and allow to be uh, executed. That probably wasn't the right choice either, you could argue. So I'm going to ask the question, uh, do we see any examples in Scripture where democracy is held up as something we should emulate? And the answer is no. Now, is it it at least when it was done... Constitutionally, uh, certainly a better option than what we've seen today for the last uh, decade or several decades, no doubt about it. Um, The founders put the Bill of Rights and a number of other things, as I've already mentioned, in place as a bulwark, a prohibition against the abominations, the excesses, the tyranny of democracy, and um, as... um, Everybody's probably aware that listens to this show. Ben Franklin was asked, what form of government have you given us? No, he didn't say a democracy. He said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. And, uh, well, we haven't. And uh, Franklin himself went on to say that he thought that this form of government would be well administered for uh, a course of years, but ultimately it would fall into despotism, as governments inevitably do, because what? The human heart is desperately wicked. There is a consistent pattern here. And ultimately, the uh, the form of government that we are supposed to have is uh, he ruling himself. Now, we're not there yet, and uh, obviously he'll come back when he's ready to, and not until then. But I want to point out what we can do in the meanwhile. Because the end of the book says, hey, be overcomers. Come out of her. Stand, having done all to stand. Don't keep silent. There are many, many admonitions. I talk about almost all of them almost every week. And uh, when it comes to the vote... I want to ask one more question, and I think this is key, because one thing the Scripture is very clear about. It gives us a choice. We have a choice between life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose this day whom you will serve. Elijah offers the choice. Joshua offers the choice. Hey, if God be God, serve him. If it's Baal, if it's Biden, if it's some other criminal. Uh, by the way, there's no place in Scripture where we see the Messiah coming out of Washington. Notice that. But still, if you choose to serve The prince of this world, those who claim an authority which is not from Yah, as a matter of fact, they hate him, well, guess what? You make your bed, you lie in it. A lot of ways to put the same problem, folks, but uh, choose this day whom you will serve is a pretty clear indicator. So let me ask the question. Here it is. If you sign up, if you register, if you say, I want to, I want to submit myself to the authority of the Almighty State, I would pretty please like to vote. Will you let me vote? Now, of course, it doesn't matter. Uh, other people don't have to sign up, don't have to register. Isn't it interesting? They get more votes than you. They can have as many as they want. And uh, who knows who's going to count them. But one thing we do know, uh, there aren't enough people who register to vote that are going to find their votes actually counted. Well, so the question is, should you sign up and agree? to b- abide by the results, the outcome of an election, that, hey, if you had a half a brain, you knew darn well was going to be rigged anyway. You see, that's the implicit social contract, isn't it? You sign up and you say, I will register. I will accept the outcome. If my my people lose, if the bad guys lose, I know they're going to put their hands on a Bible and lie. Hey, who's going to bind them down by the chains of the Constitution? They're going to say, you have a right to keep and bear arms, but then they're going to come take my guns at gunpoint. They're going to say, you have a right to my body, my choice, but you don't, because we're going to inject you with the poison poke. If you don't like it, we'll take away your kids, take away your livelihood. Do you see the pattern here, folks? Those who serve Yah will honor the choice. Those others will tell you you got a choice. My body, my choice. Your choice is to kill people. And that's the only choice you've got. You can't defend your body with a gun. You can't prevent it from being injected if they want to take it. Matter of fact, they can take everything you own, including your blood, your brain, your tissues, your property, your children. Do you agree to abide by the outcome of a knowingly rigged election if you register and participate? That's an important question. Again, I would suggest look at the lessons of history. Look at the Constitution. Look at all the things that were once called law and literally aren't anymore and ask yourself the question, when am I going to wake up and say, huh? How many proofs do I have to have? How many times do I have to see people put their hand on a Bible and lie? How many times do I have to hear him say, democracy dies in darkness and this is all about democracy? Well, you know what? Turns out it was. And it's right straight from the pit of hell. Don't play the game. Don't serve that master. How many times, how many ways does he have to tell us? America is under judgment. I don't think there can be any doubt about that at this point. We are told, come out of her, my people. Come out of a crooked system. Come out of a crooked electoral system. Come out of a crooked system where they don't honor their contract with the people to even count the votes, much less honor the rule of law, the chains of the Constitution. We have um, very little time remaining, but a whole lot of things that we need to do and understand as we come out and say, okay, I want alternative systems. I want the systems that the Creator put in place. And you know what? I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I don't have to vote. I don't have to get a legislature to allow me to do any of that. Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh, the Creator Himself, has given every one of us, every power, every authority we need to choose life and to choose this day whom we will serve. So do it. And may Yahuwah bless you and yours.